Well, hey, welcome to First Church. So glad you guys are joining us. And we are just a couple weeks away from our Christmas series. And we're calling our Christmas series The Thrill of Hope because we believe what our culture needs right now more than anything else is hope. And that's what we want to celebrate during the whole month of December, the hope that Jesus came to bring to the world. So every single Sunday in the month of December, we're throwing a party here at First Church. We have special elements and experiences every single week. And we want you to invite friends, be part of the party that we're throwing every single week here at First Church. But if you are worshiping at home, we don't want you to miss out on the party that we're throwing. And so if you will text the number that's at the bottom of the screen right now, if you'll text Christmas to that number, we will send you a Christmas experience box so that you can participate in the party as well because we don't want to leave you out because the party that Jesus came to bring to the world is for everyone. So we hope that you're looking forward to Christmas and Christmas Eve. It's going to be a fun time here at First Church. I can't wait. So speaking of our online audience, guys, you who are here in person, would you put your hands together and welcome them in. We've got people worshiping from all over the 918 and all over the country right now. So glad you guys are with us. Now, something you need to know about my family is we really don't eat out a whole lot. I mean, we do occasionally, but we don't eat out a whole lot. That was true for us before the pandemic, and it's definitely true for us now. But when we do eat out on occasion, especially when we, especially when we want to grab something quick, if I were to ask my kids, what do you guys want to eat? Guess what their go-to response is? <laughs> McDonald's. Every single time they want to go to McDonald's. And the reason why they want to go to McDonald's is probably the same reason why when I was a kid, I wanted to go to McDonald's. It's because of this right here. A Happy Meal. Kids love Happy Meals, don't they? And the reason why kids love Happy Meals is because of this right here, the Happy Meal toy. Kids have got to have their Happy Meal toy, and it will bring them a little bit of happiness when they first open it. But what I have discovered as an adult is that the happiness that the Happy Meal toy brings it's always short-lived. It never lasts. It quickly fades away. Let me give you an example of this. Just a uh, uh, last year, actually, we were going back to Kentucky to visit family for Christmas, and because of the generosity of some nice people, we got some plane tickets, we were able to go fly back and see our family, but on the way there, we had an hour layover during lunch, and so we're in this airport, I knew we just had a short amount of time, so I told Allison, you go on to our gate with the kids, and I'll go get us some food, and I asked them, big mistake, what do you guys want to eat, and immediately they said, McDonald's, and there was a McDonald's close by, and I was like, okay, I can do that one, it'll probably be quick, but also, it's kind of cheap, it's cheaper than most things in an airport. So I was like, okay, that's fine. So I went, I got in line and I waited for what seemed like to be an eternity to get my McDonald's food. But then eventually I ordered it. Then I had to wait for the food after that. And I got it. I mean, it was crowded because again, it's lunchtime in the airport. And eventually I got the food. I'm carrying these sacks back to where my family is at the gate. And so we're opening up our food, trying to eat real fast because we just have a few more minutes before it's time to start boarding our plane. And Addie, my daughter, opens up her Happy Meal and she notices that the toy is and in there and she looks at me she said daddy there's no toy and I'm like well it's okay I mean it's Christmas we're going back to see grandparents and you're gonna get toys for Christmas you're fine we went to be honest to get food not to get a toy and she looked at me with these big old eyes and that little lip came out you know, made that look, and I was like, okay, I'll be right back. So I ran to McDonald's, I had my receipt with me, and I went up to the counter, and I kind of cut in front of some people to try to get one of the workers' attention, and all these people are staring at me, they're mad at me for going to the front, and I'm like, sir, sir, uh, you forgot my Happy Meal toy. And he looked at me, and he goes, aren't you a little old for a Happy Meal? And I'm like, okay, funny guy, I don't have time for this, I gotta catch a plane, come on, let's go. And so he laughed, and he gave me my toy. And I came back, and I brought it to Addie, and when Addie got her toy, she was just ecstatic, she was excited, 
she was happy, she laughed, she opened up, she played with it, and she played with it as soon as we got on the plane, and then she fell asleep, and you know what? She never touched the toy again after that. She fell asleep, we went on to celebrate Christmas with my family and Allison's family, and she got these other toys for Christmas, and then as we're getting ready to pack up to go back, I see this Happy Meal toy, and I was like, Allison, to my wife, I was like, do you want me to pack the toy, or you? And she goes, oh, don't pack it. Addie won't play with it again. I was like, no, I fought for that toy. No, we're going to pack it. I'll put it in my bag. And so I put it in my bag, and we brought it back to Oklahoma with us, and sure enough, Allison was right. Addie never played with it again. In fact, I found it the other day in a box, and I pulled it out. I was like, hey, Addie, you want to play with this? And she goes, what's that? She didn't remember it, you know. She didn't remember that moment at all because no child has ever received lasting happiness from a Happy Meal toy. The happiness that accompanies a Happy Meal toy quickly fades away. It goes away almost as soon as it arrives. And you know what? I'm a lot like my kids, and probably you are as well. The only difference is my Happy Meals are a lot more expensive. I chase after things in this world thinking that they will make me happy. And in the end, like a Happy Meal toy just ends up giving me nothing at all. Where do you find Happy Meal toys after the kids have played with them? Oh, on the floor bed of your car, maybe put them in a box or a tote somewhere, or maybe they end up in your garage. Did I say garage? I meant garbage, right? I mean, maybe they end up there because the happiness just doesn't last. And that's true for us as adults as well. And I just have to wonder on a larger scale, what's your Happy Meal? Some people think, if I could just live in that certain neighborhood, if I could just get that house, then I'd be happy. Or if I could just have this much money in my bank account, then I'd be happy. If I could just get that new car or that boat I've always wanted, or that camper, RV, then I'd be happy. Some of you are single right now, and you're thinking, if I could just get married and have someone, then I'd be happy. Others of you are thinking, if I could just graduate, finish school, I mean, if I can make the team and play my favorite sport, then I'd be happy. Others of you are thinking, if I could just get a new job or a better job, then I'd be happy. Some of you are in a different stage of life, and you're thinking, if I could just pay off my house or I could just retire, then I'd be happy. And probably all of us over the past few months have said to ourselves at some point or another, if this sad, crazy pandemic would just come to an end, then we'd be happy. And the problem is, all of those things in and of themselves will never bring lasting happiness. Or they, they may make us happy for a short stint, but they won't bring lasting happiness. Eventually, the buzz wears off. And a sad truth that I've had to learn, but it's true, is that the happiness this world offers eventually fades, but the hunger for something more remains. And there's a reason for that, because this world and all that it has to offer cannot satisfy the deepest longing of my soul. 
That's basically what Solomon says in the book of Ecclesiastes. Listen to his words in Ecclesiastes chapter 1. He says, I observed everything going on under the sun. In other words, I observed everything that people chase after on earth. And if you read about Solomon's life, you find that he chased after those things as well. He chased after all the desires that everybody else chased after, trying to find happiness. And Solomon says, I observed, I observed everything going on under the sun and really... It is all meaningless. It's all empty. It won't satisfy. And it's as if Solomon is saying, there's got to be more than just what we see around us in this current life. I think that's the realization that the younger son came to in the parable of the prodigal son, which we've been studying over the past five weeks here at First Church. If you've been with us, you know we've been taking a deep dive into this parable, this story. It's been called the greatest story that was ever told. It's definitely Jesus' most famous parable. And by now you know the story because, like I said, we've been studying the story for five weeks now. There's this dad, Jesus says, who has two sons. And one day the younger son comes to him. He says, Dad, I want my inheritance now. And as insulting as that was, the dad gives his younger son his inheritance. And the son goes off to a distant country, a foreign land, and he wastes all of his dad's money in wild living. And he chases after all this stuff, trying to find happiness. He chases after wealth and prestige and sex and popularity and possessions, trying to find happiness. But he ends up with nothing. He ends up working for a pig farmer feeding pigs. And as he's in the pig pen, he realizes that what he's been chasing after all along is what he left back at home with his dad. The true happiness could only be found in his father's house. And so the boy decides to come back home. And I love the line that's found in Luke chapter 15. Listen to what Jesus says. It says, he got right up and went home to his father. He knew that home is where he needed to be. He knew home was the only place he would find happiness And you see, the same is true for us. The reason why we've been taking a deep dive into this parable isn't just because it's the most famous story that's ever been told, or it isn't because it's so rich and meaningful, even though it is, and it isn't just because it's the most famous parable Jesus ever told. The reason why we've been taking a deep dive into this parable is because this is our story. It's your story. It's my story. It's the story of the human race, and it captures the entire story of Scripture. And whether you've ever thought about it or not, The whole story of the Bible is about God's children living in a distant land, longing for home. That's the theme of the entire Bible. I mean, just look at the opening pages of Scripture of what happened. God created the human race. He created Adam and Eve. And he created them to live in a paradise home called the Garden of Eden. He provided a perfect home for them. And they didn't have any wants and any needs. They were taken care of. They had no fears, no anxiety, no nothing. They lived in this paradise home called Eden. But God gave them the choice to live there. And they chose to abandon that home. They chose to leave it and search for something else. And ever since Adam and Eve left the Garden of Eden, the human race has been living in the distant land, has been living in a distance 
from God, from our Heavenly Father. And yet even though we abandoned that home, the story of the Bible is God working, doing everything he can to call us back home. And because we abandoned this original home that God created us to live in, there's this sense deep within us that this distant land that we now live in, this world that we now live in, isn't what we were made for. I mean, have you ever asked this question? Is this really all there is? You ever had one of those moments where life just hits you hard and you've asked this question, is this really all there is? You ever had one of those experiences where you thought, this isn't right, I was created for more, I was created for a better life than this, things just don't feel right. You ever had a thought like that? You ever had a moment like that? I think that every time I enter a funeral home, Every time I walk into a funeral home and I see the pain that a family is experiencing because they've lost a loved one, my heart aches and there's just something deep within me that says, this isn't right, this isn't how things are supposed to be. And it doesn't matter how old the person was who passed away, it doesn't matter how they died, it just doesn't feel right. We have this feeling that we're not supposed to be separated from those we love. There's not supposed to be this thing called death that keeps us from those we love. And I've had conversations with some of you guys who have lost someone who you dearly love, a spouse, a parent, a child, and even though that person may be a follower of Jesus and you have hope that one day you will be with them again, it still doesn't feel right. It still feels unnatural because we were never created to die. I get that thought. Every time I turn on the news and I hear of another tragedy, another disaster, another catastrophic storm, when I hear of senseless bloodshed and violence and crime, I think that every time I get wind of another cancer diagnosis, of another family torn apart because of addiction, when I hear of another drunk driving accident, I think that every time I turn on the news and I hear the COVID numbers going up and I see states shutting down and people living in fear and I hear about layoffs and foreclosures and I just think to myself, this isn't right. This isn't how we're supposed to live. And it's odd that we think that way because isn't that really how life is? I mean, ever since we were born, we've experienced pain and suffering and heartache. We've experienced the consequences of sin. So why is it that we continue to think that? It's because echoes of Eden still ring in our ears. It's because we were created for a paradise home a paradise home where we live with God day in and day out. One of my favorite passages in the Bible is Genesis 3, verse 8, when it says that God came and walked alongside Adam and Eve in the cool of the day. That's what I was made for. That's what you were made for, to live with God in this paradise. And echoes of Eden still ring in our ears because we weren't created to live a life of suffering and pain and heartache and sin. God created, to, created us to live at home with him. And that's why we continue to ask the question, 
is this really all there is? And if you read the Bible, what you find out is that the Bible gives us an answer to that question, and the answer is a resounding no. This is not all there is. Yes, we may have abandoned the home that God created for us, but God has not forgotten about us. He is creating a new home for us to live in. He is preparing a new home for us to live in. And Peter talks about that home in 2 Peter 3, verse 13. He says, we are looking forward, anticipating a new heaven and a new earth, the home of righteousness. And we should have our sights set on that home, looking forward to that home. You know why? Because God, he's preparing a home for us where the hunger fades and happiness remains. Where we won't long for anything anymore. We won't want anything anymore. But we will live with him for all eternity. And here's the thing, if you go back to the Garden of Eden, what was present in the Garden of Eden? There was this thing called the Tree of Life in the middle of the garden, and that Tree of Life allowed for Adam and Eve to live eternally, but then they were cut off from that tree. But when you get to the book of Revelation, when John the Apostle receives a vision of this new heaven and new earth, this new home that God is preparing for us, you know what's back again? The tree of life, it's present in the new heaven and new earth. And it's as if God is trying to tell us, I've been working all along, all through the years, all throughout history. I've been doing all this stuff to get you right back to where you started, to get you back to where you abandoned, to get you home again. And guys, that's the whole reason why Jesus came. Jesus came to bring us back home to tell us that there is a home waiting for us and that our Father is ready to throw a party in our honor. You know, it's interesting to me as I've been studying the parable of the prodigal son this time around for this series, something hit me that had never hit me before. You know, we have a lot in common with the prodigal in this story. I'm sure we all do because in some way or another, we're all prodigals, right? We've all run away from God. We've all been citizens of the distant land at some point or another. We've all abandoned God's plan for our lives. And we've disappointed our Heavenly Father. But we all have this in common too. We have a Heavenly Father who loves us, who refuses to give up on us. But there is something else we have in common that I had never noticed before, and it's this. We have an older brother, just like the prodigal had an older brother. If you remember last week when we left off in our passage in Luke chapter 15, the prodigal son, the younger son, comes home and the father throws this huge party for him, but there's one person who isn't happy about this son being back home, and that's the older brother. And the older brother refuses to join in the celebration. He stands on the outside, and his dad has to leave the party to come out and beg and plead for the older brother to come back in and join in the celebration. And guys... We have an older brother too. We have that in common with the prodigal son, but what's different is our older brother is the exact opposite of the older brother in the parable. We have an older brother too who's very, very different from the older brother in the parable. Hebrews talks about our older brother, our spiritual older brother, and look at what the book of Hebrews says in chapter 2. It says, Jesus makes men holy, makes us right before God. He takes away their sins. Both Jesus and the ones being made holy, that's us, have the same Father. 
We're of the same family. This is why Jesus is not ashamed to call them, to call us his what? His brothers. Jesus is saying to his father, I will tell my brothers your name. In other words, Jesus told God, I'm going to leave heaven and go to earth so that I can let my brothers and sisters who are living in a distant land know about their father who loves them. See, the older brother in the parable, he stayed at home. He let the younger son go. But our older brother gave up his seat in heaven, left heaven to come to earth, to come and show us the way back to the father who loves us. And when he got here, he realized that we had racked up a huge debt. It's not just that we had squandered and wasted the life that God had given us. We had racked up a huge debt caused by sin. And Jesus, our older brother, said, I'll pay the price. I'll pay the debt that they have accumulated so that they can be set free to go back home because my father wants them back home more than anything. And I'll do whatever it takes, even going to the cross, so that they can come back home again. Listen to Jesus' own words. Matthew chapter 20, verse 28, the Son of Man, speaking of himself, did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. He paid the price of our debt, the debt that we had racked up in the distant land so that we could go home to be with our Heavenly Father. And Jesus came to let us know. Our older brother came to let us know. Our Father still considers you family. You may have forgotten your identity as a child of God, but your father hasn't forgotten that you're his child. You still have a place around the father's table, and he's waiting for you to come home. Years ago, after Alice and I had been dating for some time, my father-in-law gave me a gift. I still have it on my keychain. It was a key to his house. And he said, Chad, I want to give you a key to our house because we now consider you to be family. And we've never given a key to our house to anyone else who wasn't blood, a blood relative. But you're our family now. And we want you to have a key to our house. Our home is your home. And I remember when my father-in-law gave me a key to their house, I thought, all right, party at the in-laws. No, not really. I was kidding. I didn't think that. I was honored, privileged to be part of their family. And that's what Jesus came to do to let us know we're still part of God's family. He still has a seat for us at his table. We still have a room in his house. It's interesting to me that after Peter makes the great confession that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God in Matthew 16, do you remember what Jesus says? Upon this rock I will build my church. And then he goes on to say, and I'm going to give you the keys to the kingdom. In the book of Revelation, Jesus says, I am the one who holds the keys of death and Hades. Jesus came to give us a key to the Father's house. Because he wants us to remember there is a home waiting for us that is far better than what we've settled for in the distant land. And that's why I keep another key on my key ring. You may have heard me say this before. I keep a blank key on my key ring. It doesn't open any door on earth. And the reason why I keep a blank key on my key ring is to remind me that I have another home waiting for me, an eternal home. 
And sometimes when I'm trying to find the right key to open a door to the office or to my house or whatever, I'm going through all these keys and I will come across this one. It just reminds me of the home that I'm really living for. Sometimes I'll feel that key in my pocket. It reminds me of the home that's waiting for me. And this is the home that really matters. Because one day, the house that I live in, it'll be gone. And the car that I drive, the key to it won't matter. My car will be gone. One day, the key to the church office, the master key to the church, some of you guys would like to have this, wouldn't you? My career, gone. The key that opens my in-law's house and that opens my parents' house, Allison and mine's inheritance, you might say. <laughs> gone. But this key will remain. My heavenly home will be waiting for me. And I wonder today, are you living for that home? Because I don't want to miss that home because that home is where the hunger finally ends. But happiness eternally remains. And Jesus reveals this home to the Apostle John in the book of Revelation. I mentioned that just a second ago. And John tells us that he had a vision of this new home, a new heaven and a new earth. And listen to what he says about it in the book of Revelation. He says, now the dwelling of God is with man. God's going to live with us for all eternity. And he will live with them. They will be his people. And God himself will be with them and be their God. We will live day in and day out with our God, walking alongside him in the cool of the day. How cool will that be? And then John goes on to describe what this new heaven and new earth is going to look like. And what's interesting is he tells us a little bit about what's going to be there, but not a lot. He mostly tells us what's not going to be there, what's not going to be in the new heaven and new earth. And I used to wonder why John did that. Why does he go through and say, this isn't going to be there, and this isn't going to be there, and this isn't going to be there? Why does John do that? And then I was talking one time to a friend of mine who's done a lot of missionary work in a third world country. And he said, in this developing nation, he said, when you try to describe life, in the United States to them, they can't comprehend it because they've never seen it themselves. I mean, how exactly do you describe your bedroom with a pillow-top mattress to people who sleep on dirt floors on mats? How do you describe what you do for fun, like going to Silver Dollar City to people who've never seen a roller coaster? <laughs> how do you describe going to a movie theater for people who don't know what a movie is? How do you describe your favorite drink? You know, your grande uh, vanilla bean uh, frappuccino with mocha chips and drizzle on top. I don't know if that's a thing, but I hear you guys talk about that stuff. So anyway, but how do you describe your favorite drink to somebody who's never even seen a Starbucks, right? You can't. They can't comprehend it. So my friend said instead, he starts to tell them about what isn't in the United States. And he'll say, imagine a place where there's no widespread malaria. Imagine a place where the infant mortality rate isn't extremely high. Imagine a place where there's no widespread hunger. Imagine a place without this and without that, all those daily stresses that you guys experience in your developing nation. And my friend says, as he starts to describe what isn't there, 
their eyes will get open and they'll say, I want to live in a place like that. And I think John uses this same literary technique to make us want this new home that God is preparing for us. And in the book of Revelation, he tells us several things that aren't going to be there. And the first thing that John says is that we're going to live in a home one day without death and pain. I mean, how cool would that be? Listen to what he says in the book of Revelation. He says that in this new home, God will wipe every tear from our eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. Imagine a world with no death, no sickness, no health issues, no decay, no aging. Imagine a world where we live in the prime of life, all of our lives, for all eternity. Imagine a life where we never feel weak or tired or weary, but we live in perfect health all the time. That's the home that's waiting for us. And every time I preach a funeral, I talk about how death is the most unnatural thing that exists on the face of the planet because we were never created to die. And one day we're going to experience that to where this thread of death isn't hanging over us. But then John goes on to say this is also going to be a home without fear and anxiety. Imagine a place where you don't have to fear anything. Listen to what John says. John says, on no day will its gates, the gates of this city, this new heaven and new earth, ever be shut. For there will be no night there. You see, in the ancient world, cities, strong cities had huge walls. And they had a gate that they would shut at night so that the enemies of that city would not be able to enter the city and John says in this new heaven and new earth, this new home, the gates will never be shut because we won't have any enemies. We won't have any adversaries. Imagine a world where our emotional, spiritual, and physical health is never threatened. Imagine a world where we don't have to worry about anything. Imagine a world where everyone has our best interests at heart and everyone's motives are pure and we can trust everyone. Imagine a world like that with no fear. My son Alex watched Home Alone a few Christmases ago, and for months he was terrified that somebody was going to break into our house, and we had to explain to him almost every night, it's fine, we're safe, but imagine never having to comfort your friends or family or yourself again, saying it's going to be okay, it's going to be, because we know it's going to be okay. And even during this pandemic, when everybody's just so scared of everything, imagine a world where we don't have to fear I mean, just a few weeks ago, I had some sinus issues, and I went to the doctor, and they told me it wasn't COVID, and it was just like a sinus infection type thing. And even though I knew it wasn't COVID, any time that I would sniffle or cough a little bit, anyone who was near me would do this. Whoop! You know, they just get as far away from me as they possibly could. Imagine a world where you don't have to fear any of anything, anything at all. John goes on to say, this is going to be a home, a home without sin and corruption. In other words, nothing will tempt us anymore. Nothing will draw us away from God. Listen to what John says. John says, nothing impure will ever enter it, nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful. We won't be tempted anymore. There will be no evil. There will be no wickedness, no darkness whatsoever. We won't have to worry about sin and the consequences of sin anymore. And then John says that this will be a home without emptiness and hunger. 
And the reason why it's going to be a home without emptiness and hunger is because God's going to be there and God is going to satisfy our every need. Remember what John said when he first started talking about this new heaven and new earth. He says, now the dwelling of God is with men and he will live with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. You know what you were created for? You know what you were made for? You were made to walk with God. That's what you were created for. That's what I was created for. And that's why I think sometimes the moments in life when I feel the most at peace is in the midst of a worship service when I am giving my all in worship because I can have a stressful week and I can be going through a tough season and I can be experiencing a whole lot of pain and heartache, but something happens when I am giving my all to God in worship. And in that moment, there is a peace that I cannot explain. And if you've ever experienced that before, you know what I'm talking about. And I think we experience that because we were created to do life with God. And he satisfies our every need. One thing that I learned a long time ago is that satisfied people don't chase after satisfaction. They chase after God and satisfaction finds them. There's application for us both now and in the not yet. Right now, when we seek after God, God has sent his spirit to live within us. And even though we're not fully in our eternal home yet, we can start to live for that home now. And God will start to fill us, give us a full life now so that we can experience his satisfaction deep within our souls. But we're experiencing that now because one day we know we are going to experience it for all eternity and that satisfaction will never go away. And the key is knowing now that God is not just an option for a better life. God is the solution to our hunger. God is the solution to finding lasting and true happiness. And John tells us all this because he doesn't want us to lose sight of home. And at the very end of the book of Revelation, as John gets to the end, he says these words. He says, amen, come Lord Jesus, because after he sees this vision of heaven, he wants Jesus to come back right now. He wants to live there now. And John is telling us, don't lose sight of our, of our eternal home, because that's what's going to last. That's what we should be living for. Last year, I preached a sermon on heaven. And when I did, I talked about all the things that are not going to be in heaven. And I brought a lot of hope to some people. And I want to share that with you again. This is why John says, come, Lord Jesus. This is why John wants us to anticipate heaven. He wants us to look forward to this new heaven and new earth because in the new heaven and new earth, there will be no more cancer, no more divorce, no more rejection, no more loneliness, no more depression, no more Band-Aids, no more tissue boxes, no more crutches, no more wheelchairs, no more pacemakers, no more radiation. There will be no more chemotherapy, no more suicide bombers, no more school shootings, no more persecution, no more x-rays, no more MRIs, no more anxiety medication, no more middle-of-the-night phone calls, no more crosses along the side of the road, no more miscarriages, no more child abuse, no more breakups, no more foreclosures. No more hurricanes, no more earthquakes, no more tsunamis, no more flu shots, no more acne. 
No more love handles, no more double chins, no more bad breath, no more body odor, no more waxing, no more rogaine, no more socks without a match, no more stubbed toes, no more yelling, no more fighting, no more bullying, no more traffic, no more road rage, no more racism, no more addiction, no more hormones, no more diets, no more guilt, no more legalism, no more pretending, no more injustice, no more infertility, no more infidelity, no more insecurity, no more infomercials, no more tumors, no more security systems, no more bipolar disorder, no more child protective services, no more doctors, no more needles, no more taxes, no more bills, no more bill collectors, no more mechanics, no more dentists, no more lawyers, no more elections. Can I get an amen? No more funeral homes, no more nursing homes, no more orphanages, no more waiting rooms, no more hospitals, no more treatment centers, no more courtrooms, no more broken homes, no more slums, no more tear-stained divorce papers, no more foreclosure notices, no more loneliness, no more crying, no more pain, no more death, because the dwelling of God will be with men and we will be at home with Him. John says, don't lose sight of our future home. When you leave here today, you're going to get a blank key just like this one. And I ask you to put on your key ring as a reminder of the home that you're really, really living for. If you're worshiping at home right now online, if you already registered for one of our Christmas boxes, you should have received one of these keys in the mail this week. And if you didn't get one yet, it's coming. It's just maybe running a little bit late. But if you still want one, you can let our online hosts know but we want you to have one of these blank keys to remind you of the home that we're longing for and to not lose sight of that because it's easy to get distracted. I mentioned a few weeks ago that one of my favorite movies here recently has been The Greatest Showman. It's about the life of P.T. Barnum. And I love this movie because of the ending. In the end of the movie, P.T. Barnum realized that he chased after fame and fortune and prestige and all the stuff that people chase after in this world, but he missed what was most important. And in his case, he was his family. He lost sight of them. And so at the very end of the movie, P.T. Barnum, when he loses everything, realizes what is most important. And the movie ends with this song, From Now On, because P.T. Barnum says, from now on, I'm not going to chase after the lights and the fame and the fortune. I'm going to focus on what really matters, and that's going home, being at home. And I think that song is not just an anthem for the movie. I think it's an anthem for our lives on a spiritual level, on a much deeper level. We don't need to be distracted by the lights, be distracted by fame and fortune and the stuff of this world. We need to focus on what really matters, and that's going home. And so I thought we would share this song with you from now on, and hopefully it can be the anthem of your life as well. Thank you. 
I saw the sun begin to dim, felt that winter wind blow cold. A man looms who's there for him, with the glitter face and the winds blown home. Cause from that rubble, what remains can only be what's true. If all was lost, is more I gain, cause it led me back to you from now on. These eyes will not be blinded by this. From now on, what's waited till tomorrow starts tonight? tonight. Let this promise in me start Like an anthem in my heart From now on From now on
Who's ready to come back home? If you've been living in a distant land, there's a home waiting for you, and today you can start the journey with Jesus back home. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for today and this time we've had to worship as your people. And our prayer this morning is John's words in the book of Revelation, come, Lord Jesus. But until that day, as we live this life full of pain and suffering, may we point everyone we possibly can to home, the home that you are preparing for us, your children. In the name of Jesus, I pray, amen.